everyone. Welcome to the Faith Chapel podcast. We are so glad to have you join us. Faith Chapel exists to help people follow Jesus, be transformed by Jesus, and be on mission with Jesus. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, you're welcome here. If you have any questions about who we are or what you hear, you can visit faithchapel.cc or email podcast at faithchapel.cc. We'd love to hear from you. All right, let's dive into this week's message. Hello, hello, Faith Chapel. Good to see you. Hey, my name is Brooks, and I get to be one of the pastors here and, uh, on the team. And uh, Pastor Nate is going to be back next Sunday, and we're going to we have a couple more weeks going through the book of First Timothy. So we'll be finishing that up over the next couple weeks. But today, I just uh, there was a passage of scripture that I just have been spinning my heart for a while, and and uh, so I wanted to just unpack it with you and share it with you. I've, I've shared before that I've got four kids, and our our lives are just kind of you know we're just in that. In that kid stage, you know, we got little ones, we got t- teenager now, and so we're just kind of all in the middle there. And I'm, I'm trying to do something with my kids that, that I know that you can all relate to. I'm trying to do this thing. I'm, I'm trying to help my, I'm trying to help my kids obey. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to help them obey. And you know, it's it's and it's good for them to obey, right? Especially especially you know when they're young. I mean, we're trying to teach them to obey in the little things so that they'll be be able to obey with the bigger things, especially when the stakes get higher. And you know, there's it's the reality is is is, is Christy and I we, we know what's best for them better than they know what's best for them at this stage in their life. And so we're just trying to just trying to help them see that we're trying to help them obey, right? And this uh, this this especially comes into focus when you're in when you're in some place that's out of your element, especially some place that's potentially dangerous. Like uh, I've, I've taken my kids backpacking over the last couple of years and it's the highlight of our summer, so much fun. But when you're backpacking with little kids, I basically, when I go backpacking with little kids, I'm spending all of my time, time helping them to not die is what I'm doing. That's all I'm doing on the backpacking trip because there's so many dangerous things around um, and unfamiliar things around on a backpacking trip, right? I mean, there's, there's cliffs and there's streams and there's bugs and there's sharp pointy sticks and they're always running around with sharp pointy sticks. And then there's rocks and then there's makeshift slingshot rocks. And then, you know, there's, and then there's the animals. There's the mountain lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, like what else is there out there? I mean, there's, there's all sorts of things that could go wrong. And I'm, the whole time I'm... <laughs> I'm like, put that down and okay, just stop. Oh, and then there's the fire and they're always sticking stuff in the fire and ju- trying to jump over the fire. And it's just like, ah. Oh. And I've found so many times on the backpacking trip, I'm like, guys, just obey me. Just trust me, right? I'm just pleading with them uh, to, uh, to listen to their dad um, because, you know, I just want them to obey. It's good for them to obey. Here's the thing. It gets even deeper than this. And we're going to get back to this at the end of the message, but it gets even deeper because I don't just want them to obey. I want them to want to obey, right? I don't just want their obedience. I actually want something deeper. I'm hoping for something deeper. I'm hoping that there's like something that happens on the heart level where they want to obey. Okay, we're going to get back to this. Um, at the end of the message, but uh, there's this there's this thing that happened, uh, or it continues to happen in our home. But a couple years ago, you know, I noticed that I would ask my kids to do something. Sometimes they would do it, but uh, you know, I'd ask my kids to do something, and they would say okay, but then the job didn't get done, right? So hey, could you guys uh, do the dishes, please? Okay, Dad. And then I come back a couple hours later, is not done, right? Uh, could you do the laundry? Okay, Dad. And then it doesn't get done. And so I, I remember it was years ago, I pulled them up together and, and, I th- and I said, guys, 
I don't need your okay. I need your obey. You're welcome, parents. You can take that with you, okay? I don't need your okay. I need your obey. All right, now think about it. Think about it. This, it's, it's, actually, it's significant because, because the whole point of an okay is the obey, right? I mean, the whole, the whole point of the obey is the okay. It's, it's okay without the obey is not okay, right? It's not okay because the whole point of the obey is the okay. For instance, an okay is not going to save your life on a backpacking trip, right? The obey is going to save your life on a backpacking trip. Okay, the whole point of the okay is the obey. That's why you say the okay, is to get to the obey. The obedience part is the important part. And saying that you're going to do something isn't the same as actually doing it. And even if you don't have kids, even if you're like, you're a boss, you know, some, you know, wherever it is you work, I mean, it's frustrating when people say they're going to do something and don't do it, Right? And you can see it in yourself, right? You can, I can see it in myself. There are so many times where I say I'm going to do something, but then I don't follow through. And what's interesting is this, the reason why I, we're talking about this, the reason why this is important for my heart even today is that I notice this in myself with my relationship with God. I've been following God for a long time. And what I've noticed is there is a gap. There is often a gap between my okay and my obey. That often, there's this thing in me where I, I, I trust God, I do, I, I believe that he's good, and it's like, okay, God, I'm, I'm gonna obey. But then, it's, it's my obedience that, that doesn't follow through. I often say okay, but I don't always follow up with the obey. And as we're just going to discover today, there's, there's, there's a problem with that, that it can cause some things that can, that can, that can hurt us in the end. And so, you know, what, what God's saying, he's saying, I don't just want your okay, I want your obey. But you know what's interesting is this is actually the story of the Bible. It's the, it's the whole story. You could just wrap it up like this. For instance, the story of humanity, Genesis 1 through 3. Here's what happens is God says, please obey. Just trust me, obey. And Adam and Eve say, okay. But then what happens? They don't obey, and things don't go okay. And then you go to the Israelites, just the whole story of the Old Testament, just God's people. God you know, gives them the, the Ten Commandments and, and the law. He says, he says, please obey, and they say, okay. And things go well for a while, but eventually they don't obey, and things weren't okay. And then God sends prophets to the people. He's like, hey, just listen to these guys, trust them. And the prophets are crying out. What are they saying? They're saying, please obey. And then people say, okay, but then they don't obey. And then things don't go okay. Jesus actually has a parable about this exact thing. He, Jesus has a parable about this, and we're just going to look at it. And then I hope we just, would you just lean in, just listen close? I, I have a feeling, you know, this, even me preaching this, this is convicting for me. I hope it's convicting in a good way for, for all of us. But before we get into the passage, I just want to define my audience, okay? There's two groups of people Wherever you're joining um, online or wherever you're listening from or people in the room, there's two different audiences. The first audience that's here is this, is maybe you haven't arrived at obey because you haven't even said okay. You haven't obeyed yet because you haven't even gotten to that place where you've said, I trust Jesus, I want to follow Jesus. So of course, you haven't gotten to the obey. 
I just want to talk to you for a second. We call that, around here, we call that being spiritually unresolved. You're, you're asking questions. And, uh, and so I just want to say, hey, I, I honor that. I understand. You, of course you haven't gotten to the obey because you haven't even gotten to the place where you said, okay. And I just want you to know you're in the right place. We want this to be a safe place for you to explore a dangerous message. The most dangerous message of all, that, that he's God and that we're not, and that we get to surrender our lives to him. That'll absolutely change everything in your life. But if you're here, you're just, you're in the right place. And, but I want you to know today's, today's talk isn't primarily for you, but it's good that you're here because I want you to listen in, okay? I want you to listen because you might pick up some things that help you take some steps to help get you to that place of saying, obey. But my primary audience, who I want to talk to are these people here. Maybe you're here and you've already said, okay, but you're struggling with the obey. And I'm included. You're a Christian. You've said, I want to follow Jesus. Jesus is king of my life. And you mean that. You've said that. You've declared that. But there is a gap between your okay and your obey. And my hope, my hope is that we could just be inspired to shrink the gap. To shrink the gap between my okay and my obey. That's what I hope to do. Jesus in this passage of scripture, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 21. Jesus is nearing the end of his, of his, of his life here on earth. He's, he's about to go to the cross. And, you know, if, if you know the story, J Jesus was proclaiming this beautiful truth that everyone gets to be included in God's kingdom. And all you have to do is just trust and follow. And people heard that message and trusted and followed, even the unsavory people of the day, just the, the, the people that many people in that day con considered sinners, the tax collectors, and, you know, just people on the fringe of society, they were, they, were, they were flocking to Jesus. But there was another group of people that were flocking to Jesus for a different reason. They were flocking to Jesus because they were, they were frustrated with him. They were the religious leaders of the day. It was the group of people who were good rule followers. They had a perception of what the Messiah was going to look like, and Jesus didn't fit into any of their boxes. And they were frustrated. And they were frustrated that these other people from the fringe of society get to come into Jesus, but Jesus, uh, but, but they were like kind of on the outside, and that confused them. And Jesus was always trying to trying to rattle their cages to try to help them see who he was and what he was trying to do. And this is one of those stories where Jesus is trying to rattle their cages. He's talking to this group of these religious leaders and he's going to use a parable. It's the form of a parable. It's a, parables are, you know, they're stories that, that are fictional, but they're, but they're not fictional in the way that it, it leads us to this like deeper truth. And the one, particular, the one that I'm going to look at today with you is, is it's like a thought experiment. We're supposed to be, we're invited into this thought experiment for us to just think it through. Okay, so are you ready to go on this thought experiment with Jesus? Okay, here's what he says. He says, what do you think? He's talking to a group of people. He says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. Said, come work in the vineyard. He answered, I will, sir. What's interesting is this son says, sir. The first one didn't. I mean, this is like, it's a very respectful answer. I will, sir. Aye, aye. Captain, yes, I will. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? We're invited into ask, asking this 
thinking about this question. Which one did what the father wanted? Let's recap the story real quick, okay? One said no and then decided to go. And one said okay and then didn't obey. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, today's message is brought to you by Dr. Seuss, all right? We're going to... We're just going to get deep in it and it's going to get stuck in your head. This is the story. One said no and then decided to go. One said okay, but didn't obey. The question is, which one did what the father wanted? They think about it. And so they answer him. They say, the first, the first one, the first one. The first one at first was unsure, but then went and did it. They said the first, and Jesus said to them, truly I tell you. And whenever Jesus says, truly I tell you, it means he's gonna, he's gonna say something worth remembering. And then Jesus says something so offensive to them. He says, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you guys. They're like, what? Like, what did you just say? Jesus says, yeah, this, that's right. That's right, and he goes on, he explains why. He says, for John, and he's talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist came before Jesus and said, hey, repent, trust, believe. For John came to show you the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. I mean, they heard the message, they got the information, and instead of just kind of sitting on it, they responded, and here's how he closes. He says, and even after you saw this, even after you saw the tax collectors and the prostitutes responding, surrendering their life to Jesus, you did not repent and believe him. Here's the scary thing. This is really scary to me. And it's scary to me because I've been following Jesus for a long time. I've said okay so, so much in my life. It's scary because it's possible, listen, it's possible to say okay. It's possible to say, aye, aye, captain, Yes, sir. It's possible to have a respect for God. But if the obedience isn't there, you will still absolutely miss him. It's possible to say, okay, to have respect for God and still miss him. Wow. I mean, that's just... Hopefully that rattles our cages a bit. I mean, hopefully it just kind of helps us, helps us pause for a second. It's this idea that it's a dangerous thing when my knowledge of God is greater than my willingness to obey God. It's dangerous when I have loads of revelation, but not very much application. That I can have tons of information about God. But yet that's not the thing that God's calling me to. He's calling me to something deeper than that. He's calling me to obedience, to application, not just gaining more knowledge or information. See, this is what concerns me sometimes. Sometimes just in church world, we, talk, we use this word discipleship. It's a very important word. We are, we are invited to be disciples of Jesus. But sometimes I fear that when we talk about being a disciple, we assume that what we're talking about is just having a lot of knowledge about God or knowing a lot about the Bible or taking a bunch of classes or having a degree of some kind, that that's what it means to be a disciple. And Jesus is poking at us a bit and he says, no, no, no. No, knowledge is good. Getting a degree, a Bible degree is great. Sure, pursue all that stuff. But you could have loads of all that stuff and still miss the whole thing. 
that what a tr- the mark of a true disciple, hear me, the mark of a true disciple, it's not just about how much you know. It's about how we obey, how we follow, how we trust. That's the mark. That's the mark of a true disciple. Jesus is just kind of pushing us that way. The, the stakes are high. The stakes are high because there's a lot of people that just don't want to have anything to do with God and they don't want to have anything to do with church. And the reason is, isn't because they watch too much MTV. The reason is because they probably met some Christians that maybe had a bunch of knowledge, but not very much obedience. Probably met a bunch of, maybe met a Christian in their life at some point that there was a lot of revelation, there was a lot of information, but the application was weak. And they looked at that and they said, see, right there, that's why. I don't want to have anything to do. It just feels like hypocrisy to them. Maybe that's why you pushed off God or church for a while. Maybe that's why you have a family member or a friend. That's where they're living right now. Is they're like, man, I just don't want to have anything. It just seems all like surface level and fake. And so if you're a Christ follower, here's what, I, I think this is exactly what you want. I know this is what I want. I know we want to be a church. We want to be a church that's just, that we are not just saying, okay. No, we, we, want, to, we, want, to, we want to say, oh, we want to obey. We're going to obey. We're just going to let the Lord transform us. That means we want to walk in obedience. He's not just looking for an okay. He's looking for an obey. Listen, four things that I just want to, because uh, I want to help us get there. Okay, I want to talk about the, the beginning of obedience, the danger of just saying okay, but not obey, the source of obedience, and the power that we can have to obey. Okay, those are the four things I want to cover. So first, the beginning of obedience is this. Obedience is always contingent on trust, always contingent on trust, is it begins with this question of, is God trustworthy? Can I trust him? Is he good? Is God good? Is he good? Is he, is he, does he have my best interest in mind? Does he know what's best for me better than I know what's best for me? Is that true? It begins with this question, or is he just out to get me? Or is he just like trying to take my fun away? Or is God just kind of like up there doing this with his fingers saying, I'll get you my pretty and your little dog too. Is, is this the kind of God that we serve? Because if your view of God is that, that if that's what he's like, then of course you're not gonna trust him and of course you're not gonna obey him. Or you're gonna obey him, but just out of fear. Because isn't this true? Listen to this. Is your trust in him will be powerfully impacted by your perception of his goodness. This is the beginning of obedience. Is, is God good? In your personal theology, is God all good? We used to say this thing growing up in church, the pastors, whoever on stage would get up and we'll, we'll see who grew up in church here in a second. We'd, it's, uh, the pastor would say, God is good. All the time, right? All the time? Yeah, right. In your personal theology, is God good? all the time? Or is he semi-good? Is he mostly good? Because your perception of, your, of his goodness is going to impact just your, your trust in him and your ability to begin to obey because that's where it starts. Is God, does he love me and he, he's good all the time? Or is he just, or, or does God just kind of like, sometimes does he just have a bad day? Have you ever had just a bad day? 
Have you ever woken up on the wrong side of the bed? Just had a bad day? Have you ever been hangry? Anybody? Okay, you know what that is. What if God gets hangry, you know? Like what if God just wakes up one day and he's like, you know what, I'm tired of being so, I'm just gonna smite some people today. That's what I wanna do. Because see, if you, if that's the kind of God that's out there, then of course you're not gonna trust him. Of course you're not gonna wanna obey. See, what this is, classically, what that kind of God is, is called paganism. Paganism is this idea that there is an angry God or gods out there and we have to do all the right things to appease their anger. So we have to make sure that we follow. We just have to make sure that we do everything right. Otherwise, he's not gonna send the rain. Or we have to make sure that we have to do all the right things. Otherwise, you're gonna get a flat tire on your way to work, you know? And, and paganism can sometimes creep into our Christianity where we believe that we've just got this God and we just have to, like, what's it going to be like today? I don't know. Like, is he happy with me? I'm not sure. We have to do all the right stuff. And of course, if that's the kind of God that, that we're serving, then of course your relationship with him is going to be driven by fear. It's going to be insecurity. You're never going to know. But what if? What if God isn't mostly good what if he really is all good what if he's good what if he is completely trustworthy if that's true then you can trust him it's it's no wonder that at the beginning of the story in the book of genesis it's no wonder that the very first thing that the serpent attacks is adam and eve's perception of god's goodness it's no wonder. If you know the story, there's, God says, hey, I've created it. It's good. You get to be my stewards. Eat from every tree in the garden. There's just one tree. Don't eat from it. Just trust me. Trust me. I know what's best. Trust me. But everything else, it is yours. Be fruitful and multiply. And things are good. But then the serpent creeps in and the serpent says, did God really say that you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden? <laughs> oh my gosh. He's just a bunch of rules, this guy. He just wants to, in fact, you know what? If he knows that if you eat from the tree, you're gonna be like God. That means that he, he's a little insecure. He, he, he wants to wear the pants and he's worried that you're gonna wear the pants in this relationship. He doesn't like that. He wants to be in control. It's no wonder because Satan knows if he can attack our perception of God's goodness, then he's got us. Of course we're not going to follow. Of course we're not going to trust. Of course we're not going to obey. So here's the beginning of obedience. It starts with the question, do I trust God? Do I trust him? Is he good? Is he good? That's something that you need to think about. In your personal theology, where is God good? Is he trustworthy? Here's the danger. The danger of saying, okay, because it is dangerous. It's a dangerous thing to say, okay, but not obey. Here's why. Okay, there's lots of reasons why, but here's one reason. It's our okaying feels like we're obeying. Okay, it's this weird, like, psychological things that happens in our brain. When, when you say that you're going to do something, it kind of makes you feel like you did it. It's really weird. It's like we dangerously confuse our intention to obey with the, with the actual obeying. It's this weird thing where you're like, okay, I'll do it. And it's like, yeah, your heart wants to, it's like, sure, I'll do it. But then, it, then you can walk around and you kind of feel like, oh yeah, I'm good. I'm obeying when you actually didn't. And it can create this false sense of, of like, oh yeah, totally. I'm doing, I'm, I'm obeying when really you're not. You know what it's like? It's like that last bite of dessert. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
is that last bite of dessert. You've eaten the whole piece of chocolate cake, but you've left one little bite left on the, on the plate and you can push it across the table and you're like, I am a person that practices restraint. I, I have self-discipline. Isn't it funny? You're like, you ate the whole piece, okay? You left one little bite, but, it's, but there's that psychological thing like, oh, you know, but I'm, I'm not gluttonous at all. No, I, am, I have tons of self-discipline. And it, it, there's this thing that happens where we have to be so careful that with, with and it's good to say okay, but if you, just, if you say okay, and you just, but you don't follow it up with obey, suddenly you feel like you're obeying when all you're really doing is okaying. It's dangerous. Puts us in a dangerous place. It's no wonder then. It's no wonder that in the Great Commission, we call it the Great Commission, is when Jesus was commissioning the disciples. We've read it a bunch of times here at, at, at the church over even throughout the beginning of this year. It's kind of turning into a theme. This Great Commission. This is what Jesus says. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to say okay to everything I have commanded you. I'm just kidding. That's not what it says. All right. I'm fooling you. No, it doesn't say that. What does it say? It says, and teaching them to what? To obey. To obey everything. Everything that I've commanded you. Hmm. Okay. Here's the best part. Okay. Save the best for last. I want to talk about the source of obedience and the power to obey. Okay, the source. Check it out. The root of obedience, Christian obedience, the root of obedience isn't fear or willpower. It's love. It's love. By the way, what I'm about to share with you, you will not get in any other religion anywhere else. No other religion gives you what I'm about to talk to you about. Every other religion is based on fear and willpower. It's, okay, I want God to accept me. How am I going to do it? I'm just going to try to do all the stuff. I'll do all the things. What does he require of me? Okay, I'm going to do it and do it and do it. And maybe, then maybe I'll be good enough. That's not what Christianity is about. The source of obedience is not fear. He could have done that if he wanted to. I mean, he's powerful. He could just come and just, just secure all of our obedience. It's not what he's into. It's not what he wants, as we'll see in a second. It's not fear. It's not willpower. It's love. That is the source of obedience. And we know this already because this is how our lives work already. Here's this principle. I, I, I know that we can all, we can all uh, vibe with this. He says, we will always freely and generously sacrifice for things or people that we love. Isn't that true? We always freely and generously sacrifice for things or people that we love. It just, it's easy. Like when you love somebody, I mean, just, there, it just comes naturally. You just, you just want to be able to, you, you'll sacrifice whatever, you know, if you really want to know what you actually love, it's look where your money goes, look where your time goes. Because your money will, free, will, will flow generously towards things that you love. Your time will flow generously to things that you love. All right, think about any hobby, all right? Let's talk about, let's talk to, I'm gonna talk to all the hunters in the room for a second, okay? Like if you're a hunter, here's what you're gonna do. Because if you're gonna be a hunter, it's gonna take some self-discipline. It's gonna take some, you know, it's gonna take some sacrifice. You're gonna get up at 3 a.m. and you're gonna like rub sticks and dirt on yourself or, you know, like to get rid of the scent or whatever you do. And then you're gonna go out into 15 degree weather and sit in an unheated blind for hours munching on pepperoni sticks from 1985 
and you love it. You absolutely love it. I mean, it's just a joy. I mean, you'll just, and you'll spend whatever you need to spend to get there. I mean, it's because you love it. Whatever the hobby is, whether it's fishing or just whatever you're into. I mean, it's, it's not a burden to, to sacrifice for those things because, because you love it, because your heart is in it. And guys, God knows this. God knows this about how we're wired. It's because he created us. He knows. He knows. Listen, God isn't just, God doesn't just want your obedience. He wants your heart. Because that's the source of the, of the obedience. God isn't just after just you following rules. This isn't the God that we're into. Here's some rules, follow them. We'll see who's naughty and who's nice. No. He says, listen, no, no, no. I want their heart. I want their heart. He's gonna woo us with his grace to get to the heart, that's gonna be the motivation. This is why all throughout the scripture, God says over and over again to the Israelites, I do not want your begrudging obedience. I don't want your begrudging obedience. I don't want your, fine. Have you ever asked somebody to do something and it's like, oh, fine. God's like, I'm not, that's not what I'm into. I don't, I don't want that. I want you. I want your heart. God knows this. This is why in the, in the prophet Isaiah, God speaking through the prophet Isaiah says this. He says, these people come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips. But what? But their hearts are far from me. Because I don't just want lip service. I just don't, I just, I don't want a bunch of okays. Man, I, want, I want heart. I want heart. That's what he's after. That's what he wants. He wants heart. How, do you, how, do you, how does he get your heart? How do you love him? If, if the source of obedience is love, then how do you get there? Here's my humble suggestion, is you just start with trying to contemplate God's grace. Start there. When, when you contemplate the idea that Jesus came and he walked in complete obedience because he knew that we couldn't walk in complete obedience, that he did that for us, and he went to the cross for us and he rose again so that, he, so that sin and death don't get the final word and that he did all that for us and it's just free gift to us. It's a costly gift. Somebody's gotta pay for it and he paid for it and it comes to us for free. That's incredible. That's incredible. When you contemplate the idea that obedience for the Christian is not just a bunch of uh, obedience to laws, but it's obedience to a person that loves us no matter what. Suddenly when you encounter that kind of grace, you realize for the Christian that obedience isn't a I have to, it's a I get to. That it's not this duty, it's a privilege. Listen, listen. He is mighty and strong. And yet he chose grace to lead us home. If God really is like that, gosh, then I want to trust that God. That's, I, want, I love that God. Thank you, God. And suddenly just out of the, the gratitude in our hearts, that becomes the source, the source of obedience. But listen, it gets even better. It gets even better because not only do we have a source of obedience that isn't fear and isn't just willpower, not only that, but God gives us 
power that we need to obey. He's not just asking us to do something and just try hard. He's going to give us the power to do it. Um, we're doing a lot of work up at camp on the boulder right now to get it ready for camps. And over the last few summers, uh, Kevin Hoffman and his group of people who've been going up almost every week is, is just when the ground thaws and they're just working hard to get ready for camps. And over the last couple of years, what they've done is they've made the camp uh, be able to be used throughout the winter because they're working on digging the, the, the water lines down under the ground so that they don't freeze. So that throughout the winter, the cabins can have, can have uh, running water. And so they're, they're digging these, uh, the water lines down underground, the power lines underground, just getting it all ready. And I went up there one time where they had dug up all those, those trenches to put those water lines. And oh my goodness, guys, there's, it's not just called Camp on the Boulder because it's by the Boulder River. There's lots of boulders there. Like so many. And they dug up these trenches and there were boulders the size of tiny houses. Like there, everywhere. And imagine this. Imagine if Pastor Nate was like, hey everybody, I want you to head up, work on uh, digging the trenches. And I want you to do it with these, with these, with the trowel, please. Just get after it. Get her done. You guys got it. We're praying for you. How, like, if, 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 if you got handed one of these to go take care of that job, that's a tough job. In fact, I would say it's probably an impossible job. It's impossible. And I have a feeling that many of us are approaching our obedience thinking that we're holding these. Do you think they did the job with these? Oh, heck no. They have excavators up there, okay? That's how you do a job like that. You excavate it with like big machinery. And what I want you to know is that you have an excavator when it comes to obedience. That God doesn't ask you to do something that you aren't able to do. He is willing to give you something that you need to be able to accomplish it. Accomplish it. And I just want to read from the prophet Ezekiel in the Old Testament. There's this promise. It is for them and it is for us. I'm just going to re- I just want to read it over us. It, within this is a beautiful beautiful promise of where the power comes for us to obey. Here's what Ezekiel says. Ezekiel 36 says, for I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And listen, I will put my spirit in you. Why? And move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. God's promise is that he's going to give us new hearts. His spirit, the power to obey. Listen, he's not just going to give us the how to, he's going to give us the want to. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you get this beautiful promise of a new heart. And now this new heart, it's like, man, there's, I just, I want to. There's the want to. He gives you God's power, God's spirit for you to obey. What a beautiful, beautiful promise. The source 
and the power. Here's what, how I want to close. I just want to give you a reminder. And I'm sure, I'm sure many of you know this, but I want to remind you. Remember that obey is way better than okay. Obey is way better than okay. There's just some blessing that comes. There's the blessing that comes through obey that just doesn't come through okay. That, listen, God always blesses obedience and it is never too late to obey. It's never too late. God always blesses obedience. He just will. Now listen, when I say God always blesses obedience, here's what I'm not saying, okay? I am not preaching today that if you obey, everything's gonna be okay. I'm not preaching that. Because listen, Jesus obeyed perfectly and guess what? It took him to a cross. Obedience doesn't mean that everything's gonna be fine and happy, clappy, skippy, rainbow, skittles. Doesn't mean any of that. Because sometimes when we choose to obey, it's hard. It's hard. But listen, it is always better to obey. God blesses obedience. Listen, just be, just, even think about there's, there's consequences that comes from disobedience, natural consequences that come from disobedience. But likewise, there are good consequences that come from obedience, and some of us are dealing with things in our lives today from generations past, hundreds of years ago, just people in your family line that maybe they walked in disobedience and there was just cycles of abuse and hurt and pain that have been passed to you. And then you're, you're having to wrestle with it right now. Here's what's so beautiful is through your courage to not just say, okay, but to obey, to obey that you get to start brand new cycles brand new cycles of blessing that will reverberate down through the generations. That there will be people hundreds of years from now who might not know your name, but they'll be walking in the blessing of God because of courageous decisions that you and I make today to obey. Wow, that's powerful. It's always better to obey than to say, okay, I hope, man, my hope is that Again, this is for, for my, my audience is for you Christians. You said okay, but maybe there's a gap between your okay and your obey. I hope we would just shrink that gap, that we would be people that say okay, and then we would go and obey. Okay, obey, because that's where we find, that's where God meets us. That's where he wants us, and we get to do it with joy because he's given us the world. He's given us all things. We are in him, therefore we can do it. We hope that this helps you take your next step on your spiritual journey. If you'd like to get involved with the work and ministry of Faith Chapel, visit faithchapel.cc and click on Next Steps. If you'd like to speak to a pastor or connect with us in any way, email connect at faithchapel.cc. We look forward to connecting with you soon.